Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the Star Wars show for veterans, brand new fans and geeks like us alike. I'm one of your hosts, Mr. Mark Asquith, and joining me today as ever is the person that didn't just do the Kessel Running under 12 parsecs, he invented the Kessel Run. In fact, before this guy did it, it was called the Kessel Walk. It is my wondrous co-host, Mr. Gary Aylert. How are you doing, my man? All good, buddy. All good, the old Kessel Run. Good memories, that. Yeah. Oh, I remember the first time you did it, and no one believed it, and then you did it again, and uh, it was just a game changer. And then, you know, everyone else got, everyone else took the publicity for it. They put it on film, that bloody solo guy took the credit, but I remember the OG, bro. Don't worry, I got your back. Had to do it a second time as well. Annoying. Just to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? How's the week been? All good? Yeah, week's been good, buddy, actually. Yeah, I am... Um uh, I, I kicked off. Uh, I need to update my Goodreads, but I kicked off the uh, a new read, the uh, the Anthony Daniels. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, yeah. So about twenty five odd pages, I suppose, into that. So that's good already. I can tell that's going to be a bit juicy in a couple of places. He's it's a bit candid that one. So looking. Do you think he like um, the way he, the way he's written it is just like yeah? And then we went outside. Like one chapter is like yeah, we went outside. It was really awkward. Ow, that hurt a little bit. And then chapter ends. <laughs> Do you yeah. Know what I mean? yeah, it's very direct and very like his writing skills. I'm not sure if he sat down and wrote this or if you've got a ghostwriter, I'm not sure. But yeah, very much. Uh, so it's 12 o'clock and I said this to that person. That was awesome. Moving on. I went back inside. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like <laughs> kind of a, a very direct, doesn't leave much of the imagination. It's very descriptive. <laughs> Which is quite interesting because it's the exact opposite of what C-3PO is. C-3PO is very loquacious and very around the houses. And Anthony Daniels is like, like you said, he's like, yeah, put the gold on, did my lines, went back to the trailer, jobs are good then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that, mate. Yeah, what have you been up to? Anything? Now, honestly, not too much Star Wars this week. It's been, uh, as you know, we're doing a bit of travel. Uh, it's conference season starting this week for us um, at work. So it's kind of a little bit just getting on top of that. But it's been a lot of like preparing for going away. So like downloading a lot of Star Wars stuff, um, you know, from like Prime or Netflix or Disney and just making sure that it's all kind of downloaded for offline consumption, like the Clone Wars. Um and then also, I, I got a hold of the new Force Collector book, which is one of the young adult novels, which I've not started it yet, but it's um, it, it's quite interesting that, because obviously we know that The Rise of Skywalker is a little bit bizarre, and we know there's been a lot of stuff uh, said about that, you know, <laughs> a lot of it by us. And it's the first book to come out that really leads up to The Rise of Skywalker that doesn't seem to put people like Leia and Poe Dameron front and centre. Right, so I'm looking right. forward to that, because some of the new extended universe stuff... Um, like the Lost Stars stuff, for example. Like, that's better for not having those main characters centre. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. So that, that's that been my week. It's been quite a quiet one. Obviously, mining for the news is normal. That's my kind of daily routine. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll spend 20 minutes on a, on an evening while I'm kind of pottering about, just catching up on Star Wars news. And there's been a, a fair bit of it today. But I know we've, we've actually trimmed the news section down a little bit because we're not getting to that review and discussion and the... The, the random spotlight. So for you, the constant listener, thank you so much for bearing with us because it, it, it has been a really nuts few weeks for news, which we didn't think it would be after the rise of Skywalker. So we'll dig into that in a second. We've, we've probably got four or five news bits today and then we've got a nice review and discussion, which will will round out, I think, a lot of the rise of Skywalker uh, thoughts that we've had. But before we get to the meat of the show, as ever, a big thank you to our current patrons over on Patreon. I know Gary's taken a lot of time this week to to do a little bit of work on our Patreon, so nice work on that, dude. There'll be a, a lot of good stuff coming down the wire for new patrons and existing patrons alike. So thank you to everyone that supports us. If you do want to get involved on there, do go and check out patreon.com 
forward slash spark of rebellion, which is is just a place where you can join the tribe. You can just become part of the team, become part of the crew. It's a level that really suits you. You know, we're not in this to make a pile of money, but if you want to chuck us a coffee, feel free to do so and we'll send you some swag out as well. So that's patreon.com slash spark of rebellion. And if you want to discuss the show with us, if there's anything that we say that you think, wait a sec, nah, mate, that's wrong, not into that. Let us know. Hit us up on the socials. Just search for Spark of Rebellion on any of your social networks and you'll find us. And of course, uh, we can just discuss anything that we chat about, anything that we talk about on the show and new Star Wars news. That's the best place to grab us on your favourite social media network. And, 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 and we've got a pile of stuff coming up. So let's get straight into the news. So guys, we've trimmed the news down a little bit this week, um, but Lucas... Has kind of been, uh, you know, he's 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 been at the front of mind for a lot of people this week. There's a couple of news stories in there. One of them's a bit weird, but this one is certainly quite interesting. So a few years ago, there was the old Star Wars Underworld TV show. Can you remember the, the the concept for this? It actually looked quite interesting. It was like the different levels on Coruscant, the whole dirty underbelly of that world, and and you know, one kind of wonders whether or not some of the, the the Mandalorian took a little bit of inspiration from this, you know, because it's, it's showing that kind of seedier side um, of the Star Wars universe. And a little bit of test footage has been leaked, which looks really interesting, actually. It's actually a little bit better than I thought it would be. You can tell it's, you can tell it's test footage. It's certainly not the highest quality. It's someone with a handheld in a lot of places. There's a bit of green screen background in there as well. Um, but it's quite interesting, this dude. It's, it evokes the feeling of, um, you know, in Attack of the Clones where, you know, Padme gets the little slug, you know, the, the little kind of critters sent to, to wipe her out. Uh, it's sort yeah. of the... Yeah, yeah. It feels like this would cover the bits before and the bits after and the bits around that. Like, where do these people come from? Like, where's this bounty hunter just run to? Where do they come from? Where do they have these little seedy meetings? How are... You know, how's the, um, certainly this is in the Empire days, so how do the Empire deal with all of these different levels of Coruscant? You know, it's a very, very different feel to what we're used to, because we're used to very much the big grand set pieces. The stormtroopers are there on a Star Destroyer. And we saw a little bit of it in Solo, where it's a bit grimy, it's a bit dirty. And again, in Rogue One, where it's a bit like, wait a minute, these stormtroopers are actually soldiers. You know, they're, they're marshalling and they're putting in martial law, they're really kind of clamping down on things. And this seems to be the closest we've got to really feeling that this is a dictatorial empire. Um, so it, it looks quite interesting. And like I said, Underworld was the was the working title for it. We never got to see, obviously, Disney took over uh, and we got a whole range of other things. But this looks quite interesting, dude. It does indeed. Yeah, when I first saw this, I was like, ah, this was that thing that was mentioned forever ago that there was, it was doing arounds. I remember this in the news and several Star Wars blogs, they were covering this where George Lucas had said, look, you keep badgering me for n- new films. It's not going to happen. This was back in the day when he was adamant that pre Disney, that they, uh, there was not going to be any more Star Wars films and he wanted to focus on TV. And this was the, 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 the brainchild, I suppose of everything. It was going to be this new, like you said, this new kind of, seedy underworld it wasn't going to be the big shiny which is cool in a way because one of the things that set star wars apart when it first came out was everything didn't look apart from the empire stuff a lot of it looked very lived in and grungy and all that stuff so there's definitely an appetite for that stuff and it was a shame that the there was that video game star wars 1313 that was in this kind of ilk as well where it was the the underbelly of Coruscant and it was very so there's definitely an appetite for this kind of Star Wars. I don't want to see the big grand shiny halls of Naboo or the shiny uh Jedi Temple and all the political temples and stuff like that on Coruscant. So very cool. And uh there was a follow-up article because when this first went out, everybody thought that this was the thing. This was the TV show that was gonna be put out, but it wasn't. They hired a company called Stargate, I think they're called, and they just said, look get a green screen set built, get a, a handy cam and just put a test together for us so we can see uh, it wasn't anything that the, the storyline wasn't going to be, uh, it wasn't from the script or anything. It was just to see what the vibe was and the feel and the look and feel of the show and stuff. So it actually looked pretty good. I mean, for you can tell it's of its time. It's got that. 
I don't know how long ago this came out now, I've forgotten, but you can tell it's pre, you know, decent lenses and cinematic cameras that are like just common ground in TV these days. And uh, yeah, but I, I understand that they they went through so many scripts. They just went round and round and round in circles to to try and get the story off the ground. But I think ultimately it came down to cost as well. I think they tried to get some networks to buy in and co-fund it and stuff, but it was just going to be way too expensive. I think the whole lot, which George Lucas was initially happy about, was going to be green screened. So pretty much every set was going to have green screen uh, environments, but the the initial foreground sets were going to be physical. But yeah, it's really interesting, bud. And I think it paved the way almost for The Mandalorian because The Mandalorian's got that very sort of grungy, darky feel to it. So yeah, I just, I, it's just interesting that it's surfaced now. I don't know where it came from, but yeah, the timing's pretty good though. Yeah, definitely, man. And it's it's interesting when you dig a bit deeper into that piece as well, because it does, as you say, it looks like cost was a, a big factor with this. And when you when you consider that, you know, of its time, if you think, I just finished reading the Bob Iger book last week, and he talks about this and some of the risks that the networks took back in the day and the fact that Lucas came to them when they did Twin Peaks, when they were at ABC and did the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles and Spielberg came to them. And like, the, in my view, like pre-24, you know, pre-Kiefer Sutherland making the jump from big screen to small screen, I can't remember a time when these movie stars um, were working in TV at such a prolific rate, which is very commonplace now. But at the same time, that seems to have opened up a lot more budgets. So it does make you think that, you know, had this come around now, it would have been a very different story because The Mandalorian's got a crazy budget. And it does say in there that it, it was it was down to cost. But in, incidentally as well, one interesting paragraph in this piece, which is is from Screen Rant, is uh, there were Underworld episodes in there that, that looked at things like the Rebels stealing the Death Star plans, Han Solo winning the Millennium Falcon. So we've got Rogue One and Solo there. And also things around... Um, just this idea of the Imperials being at the very height of their power. And and again, this piece from Screen Rant posits that maybe we'll see a bit of this in the Cassian Andor series because, you know, that first scene where you meet Cassian Andor is very much of this ilk where, you know, he's he, 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 he kills the guy and, you know, the stormtroopers and he gets away, he scales the thing. And it, I don't know, it's an odd one, isn't it? Because, you know, you think that Lucas gets all the stick and gets all the grief for a lot of the stuff that, that was done before. And now in the Disney era, like you said, the timing's interesting because suddenly, wait a sec, all this stuff was probably inspired by the guy as well. And you just, I think the longer this goes on and more and more of these ideas come out, the more you think, oh man, really? Like, please should have kept this guy involved a little bit more. Yeah. And yeah. Because you, you, certainly in my mind, you think, right, Disney bought this, films, all right, let's just call that quits and assume that there's been a couple of mistakes, but there's also been some decent stuff in there. But TV shows, right, they're going to get this right, and this is square on Disney. And then, like I said, stuff like this comes out, and you think, wait a sec, he did do this as well. He paved the way for it. So, I don't know. It, it's a funny one, isn't it? Hindsight's twenty twenty, but it does make you think, ah, you know, I wonder if Bob Iger's thinking to himself, kind of wish we had done a little bit more with old Georgie, you know? <laughs> with old Georgie, yeah. yeah. I think there's definitely, that that opinion's quite strong right now. Uh, but that's easy to do in hindsight, like you said. it's When things aren't quite going the way you want in terms of revenue or viewing figures for your films, it's very easy to say, oh yeah, we should have got George involved a little bit more and all that sort of stuff. If Rise of Skywalker ended up being an amazing film with such a high score and much higher revenue then you would have people saying, oh, we're glad George wasn't involved, you know, and we're glad that Josh, you know, uh, Josh, we're glad that George was uh, uh, fired years ago and has kept out of it because it would have been terrible if he was involved. But, you know, it, it, it's, I think it's an interesting one because it, it hasn't really done that well in terms of opinion. So now everybody's like, oh, we needed George back. So apples and oranges, dude. Yeah, it's always going to be that way with a, a property like this. And yeah, I think, Marvel sort of runs the risk of doing the same sort of thing. I saw a report yesterday that Sammy Raimi, who did, of course, all the Spider-Man movies in the early 2000s, it was, was ready to take over the new Doctor Strange. And you think, wait a sec, that guy got his butt kicked for Spider-Man 3, and then suddenly they're putting him at one of the biggest tempo films of the next phase of Marvel movies. And it's sort of, you're right, like they wouldn't have let him near Spider-Man, yeah. even though Spider-Man 1 and 2 were fantastic. But then 
suddenly is at the helm of what feels like it will be the catalyst for everything moving forward, this multiversal ideal with, with Doctor Strange. And you just think, what a world that we live in where someone can go from being hero to villain to being hero again within a matter of years. And at such a budget level, it's not like they're not, they're not, they're not messing around with the Blair Witch Project, are they? You know, these are hundreds of millions <laughs> of dollars. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, Underworld test footage, check it out. We'll stick a link in the uh, in the show notes as ever. Now, this is the next one for you, I, I think, mate. Um, you're, a, you're a gamer, a little bit more than me, a lot more than me, actually. And apparently EA, Electronic Arts, EA Sports, it's in the game. Apparently those guys <laughs> are rocking out a brand new Knights of the Old Republic game. So this is according to Eurogamer, who has apparently heard it um, well, they've heard, they've heard it from Cinelix, thanks to GamesRadar. Um, so, you know. But a few people have been saying online that the uh, Knights of the Old Republic games will be bought, brought back in some manner. Now, they are, they, they, they're kind of throwing out, though, that we might get something at um, E3 2020. I'm not sure about this one. And... There's a few things in this that are quite interesting. So the first thing is we don't know if the original developer, Bioware, who I think anyone that's ever turned on a game has come across Bioware. Um, you know, they've just been very prolific in a number of franchises. And I also think um, that the idea that they don't know whether this is going to be a sequel-ish or a reboot is quite interesting. So is it old studio? Is it a new studio? Is it a reboot? Is it a kind of sequel? Um it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this to unpack if you really want to dig into it because I think it will, depending on which way this goes, it could indicate their intent as Disney for some of the older legacy stuff, like what are they going to do with some of the old extended universe? Like, you know, they, they, they declared all of it non-canon, but we're starting to see certain things creep back in and, you know, shave some of the edges off and actually 80% of this stuff you know, or 70 or 50 or 40% of it may be canon. Um, and we've discussed that before with things like the Plagueis novel, um, you know, it's that and the Obi-Wan novel, it's that close that it could be. So this is interesting. And one one final point of note before I see what you think about this one, dude, is uh, that Cinelix apparently were the people that broke the news or the leak that they were making an Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. So these guys maybe have a bit of pedigree in these leaks. So as a gamer, does this get your juices flowing, bro? It certainly does. It gets the old, uh, the old thumbs itching, ready to go on the controller. I think, um, yeah, interesting is the word of the show, I think, this week. But this is another interesting one in that it really comes down to two things, in my opinion. The first one is if Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy are seriously thinking about trying to pitch a Star Wars film or trilogy in this time period then this is even more realistic because we all know that multi, multi-channel, multi multimedia uh, medium stuff does very well. You know, when you support a team, we, we've seen it a lot recently in the last year or so with certain TV shows that have a podcast, an official podcast that supports the TV show. And we have video games with certain things that support that stuff. So I think if, if Lucasfilm and Disney have got anything to do with the old Republic, in the works in terms of film or TV, then yes, I think this is plausible. The second thing is it would also depend on the studio working on it because, as you said, Bioware, are, they've been around for donkey's years and they the original KOTOR games were just fantastic. Bioware are a big part of that, obviously. But they did kind of drop the ball a little bit when they teamed up with is it EA to do the Anthem game, which just tanked massively. So I don't know if that's down to Bioware or if it's down to, I'm sure it was EA. Was it EA? I think it was EA. Uh, anyways, that's not really done them any favours. So because that bombed so badly, I would be reluctant to say, you know, I know you guys just screwed up massively, but <laughs> here's, the keys to the, here's the keys to the castle again for a, a huge franchise like Star Wars. So I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be anytime soon. I know that there's there's rumblings about oh, this could be announced at E3 and all that. So I don't think it will. I think this is just something that's uh, on the back burner for now and is just waiting for the dudes at Disney to say, yep, we've got this planned for a TV show or a film, so crack on. But I don't think we'll hear, hear anything soon, put it that way. 
I think you're right with the, the multi-channel strategy, dude. I think the, the multimedia approach is Disney all over now. And I think Star Wars is just going to hit that. You know, you look at what the Avengers are doing. You know, the second the Endgame was done, or even the Infinity, Infinity War was done, you know, boom, look at this. There's a new Avengers uh, game coming out. And we're rebooting the Avengers comic books. And, you know, Thor's now doing this. And Thor's back. And Wolverine's back. And, it, and it beco- you're right. It becomes, the timing becomes very clear on what's going on. So I think you've hit the nail right on the head with that, dude. And... Um, you know, maybe it links to Project Luminous later. I don't think it does. I think that's something separate. But I think the certainly the strategy of books, comics, TV shows, games, movies, we're going to start to see more cohesion between that. So I think you're absolutely bang right. And speaking of things that are becoming more cohesive, The Clone Wars, of course, is due to come back on a... I think it's February 24th. And yeah. that's going to be wrapping up. We're going to be getting the back end finally of the clone wars obviously we've we've talked about this at fairly great length over the last four five six maybe even ten episodes but we've now got some official synopses of the first two episodes now don't get don't get your knickers and twist on this one because when i say synopses i'm talking one line i'm talking one <laughs> line <laughs> yeah. so here we go. Okay, this is this is quite interesting for Clone Wars fans. So the first two synopses are Episode 1, Captain Rex, good old Captain Rex, and the Bad Batch must infiltrate an enemy base on Anaxes. All right. Bang on. That's cool, you know. So at least we know Captain Rex is in it and the Bad Batch, but that's pretty much all we get. <laughs> and then the second episode, we bring the main man, Anakin, into the mix. Anakin Skywalker, Rex, and the Bad Batch make a shocking discovery on Skarko Minor. Um, all right, fair enough. It is what it is. It's a one-liner per episode, which I'm fine with. I get that. That's quite cool, but, uh, you know... Give us a little bit more. I, I I can't see them doing much more than this. I don't think they need to for a 20-minute animated series. But, you know, when they drop the word synopsis, you think, ooh, paragraph. We're going to get something interesting. And it's just, nah, it just is what it is. But that's not a complaint. It's just a, all right, that is what it is. What else can you bloody do with it? You know, so Clone Wars is back, dude. Mm, yes. Yeah, Scarco Mine is an interesting place as well. It's where the, the separatist... Um, the dudes that supported those guys are called the Techno Union. Ah. That's where they settle down and like, like we're neutral in everything now. So, you know, don't bother us, but that's where their headquarters are and all that stuff. So it's definitely got something to do with those guys. That's going to be quite cool. And uh, yeah, I think um, synopsis is the wrong word, <laughs> possibly. Um, I don't know, but at least we've got something. I mean, I'm not, we're not expecting, it's the Clone Wars. Are they dropping that weekly like they did with the Mandalorian? Not sure. I would have thought so. Or is it a, a binge thing? I think it's weekly. So it's kind of cool that they're teasing little nuggets as we go through. They're not just dumping everything on us. So they're trying to tease it out a little bit because I think I asked you just before as well, but it's only, it, it's a short amount of episodes, this final one, isn't it? It's not like the other ones. Is it like 10, 8, yeah. 10, something like that? So yeah, interesting little uh, little quote-unquote synopsis and uh pretty good that rex is back with the bad batch that's um that's kind of cool but yeah hmm i just don't know what to make of it dude i mean it's obviously sets up the story at a very basic level like these guys are in it and they're going to this place to do something so i don't know what to say but it's just a <laughs> it's just a really simple little like this is happening but one thing i, I cannot wait for that dude i, I think this final season is going to be just a belter and I think because they're only doing it over 10 episodes, they've got to refine that story arc and get that like sharp as a, as a knife, you know, to make it work over such a short amount of, of episodes. But I watched the trailer again, I think the day before yesterday, uh, the visuals just look so sexy, sexy AF. Cannot wait, dude. It's quite interesting that it's coming now as well, because you know, the little tease of a little, uh, you know, you've got Jedi Master Belabra in there. You've got Caleb Doom, you know, Kanan Jarrus from Rebels in there. It's almost, almost a benefit that they've had to wait this long to do it because they've fleshed out the new canon and it's now they can do something really nifty with this. So makes you wonder, I mean, what they've, they've got to wrap up Ahsoka and Maul, you know, get that wrapped. And they've got to wrap up the clones, Order 66 and then Anakin. You know, they've got to show a little bit more around 
why he fell. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. I can see this almost being a two-parter. You know, first part of the season is one storyline, second part is another, because five episodes, they used to pretty much do four episode acts anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think that could be quite interesting because there's a real opportunity to really get deep into why Anakin started to become so jaded. Because we saw it in the last season with the Jedi Council screwing Ahsoka over and Anakin having her back. And, you know, it's one of the criticisms of the films that he fell so quickly. And I think there's a real big chance where we can, again, you know, we always say it where certain literature and certain other extended media make the movies better. This is a prime example where they could really flesh out that Anakin storyline and really do something badass with it. Um, and I really hope they take the chance to do that. Defo, dude. I think a lot of the attention has been on, um, obviously, Asaka at the moment. So that's not a bad thing. She's a very, very cool character. But ultimately, we need to see uh, we need to see what, what happens with Anakin in this final arc. Uh, just because she she had a lot of focus towards the end of Rebels which is all good. And she's had various stories throughout the Clone Wars where she's been the focus, which is all good. But like I said, I think we we need to see the Because Anakin does look darker the way they've designed his character in this one. He does look darker. It's definitely, he's, he's up to the end, isn't he? The, the last phase of his, uh, before it all kicks off. So, yeah, interesting. I, th- I think that's on purpose. So I think they're holding back on Anakin stuff, mm-hmm. focusing on, on, uh, on Osaka. So, yeah, dude. Exciting times for the old Clone Wars. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. And definitely the uh, the previous season is worth a rewatch as well. And, and and those missing 13 episodes as well with Yoda doing his uh, his trials and so on. I think they're always worth a rewatch uh, when it gets to this point, uh, when, when something fresh is coming out like that. So very, very excited for that. I think that's the thing, uh, p- probably very similarly to you, that's the thing that I'm most excited about um, right now in the Star Wars universe. But probably not for long. Because Fav's back. Guess who's back? Fav is back. <laughs> He's back. The, the real Favreau, please stand up. So, the Favmeister General, the Favicon, Favi, bloody good rep. <laughs> He's back. He did the Mandalorian. And uh, I mean, he's an architect of the early Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. You know, he's been behind the scenes on so much stuff. And. He's back with The Mandalorian, so he's confirmed, and Disney have then subsequently done the same thing. In fact, Fav confirmed on his Twitter profile, on his Instagram profile a few weeks ago, that Mando is now filming, ready for release. But then Disney came out this week and announced that it will be back in October, which is actually a little earlier than I thought. I thought it was going to be November again, you know, the anniversary of Disney's Plus, and uh, it's nice to see that it is going to be October, so we don't have that long to wait. Get through the summer, get through the Olympics, you know, get all that stuff out of the way, and then booyakasha, Mando's back. And this is it's a curious one as well because it it um it comes hot on the heels of Bob Iger, the Eigmeister General, <laughs> hot on the heels of him saying that potentially some of these characters in The Mandalorian could get some spin-off series as well. So everything's ramping up in the TV zone, even though Obi-Wan's maybe kind of on a little bit of a shutdown hiatus at the minute. Like, it's full steam ahead, dude, with Disney+. Plus. Mando's back in October. Iger's got his, you know, fingers in pies when it comes to other IP. Maybe get some spin-offs. He did mention previously that we might see some uh, original trilogy peeps popping up in there as well. So, you know, it's... It's interesting times for the TV series as well. as You know, we talked about the Clone Wars, but these original series, these new things that we've never seen before, uh, 2020's, you know, full steam ahead for that one, dude. So October is the time that you can you can start to get your Mandalorian helmet out, you can give it a polish, you can get your baby Yoda, little plush toy, sit on the sofa next year, and uh, just enjoy that. Absolutely, yeah. The old baby Yoda, get him out. I need to look into that. Uh, Sideshow. They've released their life-size Baby Yoda, 350 bucks, which is a lot better than the other life-size statues they've done. Some of those are like eight grand. Anyways, uh, yes, great news. It's coming in October. Uh, interesting, it's a month early as well. I don't know what the reason is for that. I assume that it's because Disney want to chase uh, the old dollar a little bit more. Chase the green. Chase the green, yes. And... I can totally see why that they've announced this this early. Right at the beginning of the year. It's like 
Like, come on. We're going to drip feed a few little screenshots, a little set, a few set of photos. We're going to have George having another little cuddle with the fav. Uh, it just it just ramps up the excitement, dude. It's so cool. And October will be here before you know it. Uh, it's, it's um, yeah, and it's they've kind of gone down the Stranger Things way of doing it as well, haven't they? It's uh, when Stranger Things first came out and that first season dropped. Everybody loved it. And they were like, right, cool few months we'll get season two they're like no 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 we're going to make you wait we're going to properly develop the storylines the plots and everything and you'll get it when it's ready and it turned out to be i think it was a year or two later wasn't it season two stranger things i can't remember exactly but so i like the fact that they're not just following it up immediately like a few months break and then we're back into it because they could do they could easily do that if they wanted to but yeah it's just it's very very cool that they've announced it early and uh yeah disney's earnings uh disney's earnings call also confirmed that which is no surprise. It's like the films have tanked, guys, but the TV show The Mandalorian's on a belter, so let's announce that and get some more dollars rolling in, sell a few more toys. So, yeah, yeah and it's, it's the MRR as well, isn't it, for the for Disney Plus? I mean, I, I can see a trailer dropping by March for this because guess what? UK gets this, and it's six months, five to six months after. Um. It, Disney Plus launched in the US, which is prime attrition time. You know, people thinking, ah, actually, there's not much new going on there. I can see a teaser, maybe not a full trailer, but it's certainly a teaser landing in March, ready for when it launches to us. Um, just enough to get us salivating and think, yeah, I'm going to rewatch that and then I'm going to, you know. So I, I can see that being a, a real big marketing player. But speaking of TV, the Eigermeister General, the Eigatron, Eiger, 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 has come out and said, a little bit more about TV. Now, I've got a lot of time for Big Bob, the Bobber, uh, Bobber Fett, because he's a de- seems like a decent guy, and he seems to know his salt. You know, he knows his stuff. He's uh, He always seems to want to put Disney first, um, regardless of what you think of stuff. I mean, Kathleen Kennedy gets all the grief, doesn't she, for the Star Wars stuff. No one really mentions Bobby. Um, but he's come out this week, which is, I don't know if it's off the back of the earnings call or what, but he's come out this week and basically said what you've just said. Movies ain't going so well for us when it comes to Star Wars team. So what we're going to do is purely put focus on television. He's literally said that the focus for the next few years with Star Wars is television. Now, that's hardly surprising given that Rise of Skywalker's done what it's done. It's made its brass, but it's not done the best. Um, The TV, I mean, the, the recurring revenue from Disney Plus is... It's, it's just stellar, you know. It's huge. It's huge. The number of people, when you look at it versus Netflix, I think it, you know, it's in it's in the up, up towards ten million users now, and I think Netflix is sixteen. Um, you know, it's way ahead of what they projected. I think it was actually eight million the last time I looked, and it's just huge. And it's not even launched in the UK yet. So we've got there's a lot of scope with this. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of Disney Plus focus. So I can understand this one, but it's just a shame, especially when you consider that. I think it was Kathleen Kennedy who pretty much said that we will announce a new Star Wars film by the end of January and a new trilogy. And then, though, in fact, we even talked about it on the episode. We did. You know, yep. even a, less than a week later, man, three, four days later, this comes out from Bob Meister General. And it's, I mean, it's a weird retraction. You know, you can almost see like Kathleen Kennedy's, you know, full steam ahead. Yeah, we're still doing this. We're doing what we're doing. Let's tease this that after Rise of Skywalker and the Skywalker saga's wrapped, we can start on with some new films. And then they've looked at the earnings and gone, wait a sec, stand by. Might just need to do a bit of an about turn on this one. So it's it's in isolation, it's not that big a deal. Like you can see the reasoning for it, but when you think bigger picture business, it is quite an odd thing to come out around this time, you know? Definitely, mate. Yeah, and it's it's expected as well kind of knew this was going to happen and to be honest with you I was I was hoping for the movie and trilogy announcements because I really wanted to finally get my head around where they were setting the new films whether it was going to be old republic we've kind of got a soft confirmation I suppose that it's going to be the high republic stuff that's 3 or 400 years before the phantom menace but we still don't know but disney have still not said or Lucasfilm, like yes, this is the, this is the thing. So it's kind of a shame, and it does, it does almost undermine Kathleen Kennedy's vision, I suppose. Um, 
her and her team, I suppose, and what they want to do for the films moving forward. Because I imagine she would have spoken to the Eig monster about this. She would have said, look, this is what, as Lucasfilm, this is what we're going to be doing. And he's like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I've trusted your judgment so far. Go and do it. And then literally within, you know, a week or a few days of January coming to an end, she's like, you still haven't given me the green light to put this out, dude. What's going on? He's like, just hold on, hold on, hold on. And then it comes to it and he's like, yeah, sorry, Kath. The films are a red light at the minute, but TV's on. So I've got to go. Fav's on the phone. So it's expected to a degree, but kind of frustrating at the same time. So it's just that thing with Star Wars, you know, over the last, you know, two or three years, it's been that thing where one part of it is amazing and it's awesome. But then you have this sort of yin yang thing going on where something just sort of, you know, take, you know, steals the thunder or, or put something, you know, in the shadows. So it's expected, dude, but it, it's kind of cool. I, I really feel like Disney plus is the medium of, you know, television and Disney plus is going to be Disney's thing. I'm certain of it over the next two or three years, we're going to see some of star Wars best stuff coming out in television versus films. So yeah, don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Like you said, it's, it's amazing that this is even possible that we're getting all this slew of information coming through. Um, and, it, you know, it's a funny one because we're just so used to seeing Star Wars as movies, you know? And it's it's one of those where, like you said, the best stuff will come probably from TV because the budgets are so high for TV now that you and I aren't going to worry about the quality of it. It's not like back in the day when, they were, they were, you know, there have all been practical effects and all back in, uh, you know, like you said, no CGI from earlier on. It's a different world that we live in. So I, I, I put a lot of faith in that. And I think it's easy for people like Dave Filoni to get involved at TV level as well. And that's where you see some of that real high mythology, patient storytelling, So, which gives me a lot of faith because it's the exact opposite of what happened with a sequel trilogy. So yeah, I'm up for this one, dude. I am up for this one. We'll see what the situation is. But I, I mean, guarantee, I can almost guarantee that we'll get a new film announcement by this year. And, it, you know, it might be four years down the wire when it's coming, but they will say something about a movie. So I'm not, not too worried about that because the investors want it as well. So we shall see. Thank you, Bob. Mr. Iger, the Eigmeister General. Iger, 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 Iger the Tiger. <laughs> it's the Iger the Tiger. It's a, I'm gonna, if I ever meet him, I'm going to sing that to him, to his face. Not because I'm scared of him. No. <laughs> I'd be disappointed if you didn't. Oh, I will do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'd like it as well. I'd be like, oh, do you know, I've been waiting for that, Mark. I'd be like... You're welcome, Ike. Bye-bye, any road. <laughs> any road, any road, any road. Let's move on to the random... No, we're going to do the review and discussion, actually. You can tell how, how long it is since we've done that. <laughs> I like, literally skipped over it. Ooh, welcome back, review and discussion. Um, we're going to dig into Trevor's concept art. Now, there's been a lot of this flowing around, but over on ImageUer and Reddit, there has been 20 pieces of concept art from Trevor's Jewel of the Fates that have hit that no one has seen. And these are probably the most insane pieces that we've seen. Now, just to put this into context, we've seen Ray, Finn and Poe running through a Star Destroyer. We've seen Finn captured. We've seen a, a duel between Kylo Ren and Darth Vader. We've seen a bit of Luke. We've seen some Oracle stuff, this Torvalum kind of super Sith. We've seen a lot of very, very interesting stuff. But these ones, in particular, are really badass. They are really badass. So I'm just going to run very quickly through some of these guys. Um, and we'll put the link in the show notes, of course. So we've got Rey looking very Return of the Jedi Luke with her dual lightsaber staff. We've got what seems to be um, a resistance traitor ready to be executed on Coruscant by a freaking laser guillotine, mate. A laser guillotine. Sick. Yep. Insane. We've got Ray and Luke training on Korolev, which is a Jedi. It looks like a Jedi planet, Jedi temple. We've got um, some bits around Poe and his family, which look pretty cool. Look pretty cool kind of chase scenes with Poe. Um, seem reminiscent of some of the Attack of the Clone stuff through Coruscant, where you say, you know, you see, uh, um, you see Anakin doing the chase on the bounty hunter. We've got Torvalum, 
or Tor Valum, who I was a bit dubious about, you know, the big Sith overlord, but he looks quite interesting. It's sort of, it feels like it's a bit of a, um, this character seems to be juxtaposed against the, the Bendu style character from Rebels, mm -hmm. which I'm all right with that. Um, We've got Vader again during a cave sequence. We've got Kylo Ren getting a new helmet uh, to help him breathe. We've got um, what seems to be a, a decimated Coruscant with R2 and 3PO really looking very much I am legend on this. Um, real kind of dirty, oh, wow, what's happened here? Um, and just a pile of really so solid First Order kind of real dictatorial fascist state overlord style images where you've got a lot of the walkers, a lot of the troops really kind of beating down on Coruscant. And then probably probably the most, or two or three of the most interesting ones. Uh, we've got Leia talking into a hologram into BB-8, which is reminiscent right of the first set of scenes from A New Hope, which is an amazing callback. Um, we've got Hooks just killing himself with a lightsaber. Um, very, very kind of, quote-unquote, Hitlery. Um, we've got Ray and Kylo battling in Mortis. Let's just be really clear on this. This is in Mortis from the Clone Wars, which we thought was going to make an appearance. Uh, like, that is so badass that they brought Mortis back for this. And then the two best ideas for me are C-3PO mourning R2-D2, an actual death of R2-D2 which I can't think of any way of wrapping up the sequel trilogy better than wrapping R2-D2 up because he's been the significant thread throughout it all. Uh, but the last one that I'm going to talk about is maybe the most badass thing you will ever see in all of Star Wars. It's Kylo Ren swinging for the Force Ghost of Luke Skywalker with his red lightsaber and Luke's Force Ghost catching the blade of it with his hand. Dude, this is everything anyone ever wanted. <laughs> from this sequel trilogy. I'm right with that, Anna. You are right. You are correct, buddy. It's very... But we have... Like I said earlier, we have to be careful with some of this stuff because however much we like to bash on The Rise of Skywalker and everybody's opinion on how terrible it was, it's so easy to do that when you've got this stuff that's coming out for comparison. There is an argument to say that even if this Trevorrow script did go ahead and all of these elements are in the new film... That's not to say that this would be an automatic success and it would be amazing and everything. It's still down to how that was put together and how it was directed and all that stuff. So having said that, this does look absolutely badass. A, a lot of these concepts, and that's the beautiful thing about concept art, when you hire really good concept artists, you can you can just invis you can just see how that would play out on screen and all that stuff. And depending on how close they stick to concept art. I think Lucasfilm do, to a large degree. Um, some of it would just make for amazing viewing and some of those storylines. I'm with you on a couple of these uh, that are really good. The Ray with the double saber looking very Luke, Return of the Jedi. Now, now don't confuse this with the double saber that we saw in The Rise of Skywalker when she's bad Ray. This is good Ray with the blue blades and stuff and she's just taken out a whole swath of stormtroopers. So that looks really cool. I, I, I'm in tears already about the R2. <laughs> and uh, and the, the the caption that goes with that bit of concept art is uh, emotion like we've never seen before from 3PO, which would also just cut you to shreds and you'd be weeping like a small child. Uh, also, the new helmet that they gave Kylo looks absolutely brilliant. Very Darth Raven-y. Looks very, very, very mm -hmm. cool. And then like you, mate, the old, uh, the old Luke catching the blade. It looks really cool. And then just one last little one, which is a hark back to A New Hope. You see Leia, an old Leia, who's kneeling down in exactly the same pose that she did with R2 in A New Hope, uh, possibly recording a hologram for whatever part of the story. I don't know what it is, but uh, loads of very cool stuff. I think it's very clear that the Trevorrow script is very much nostalgic for Star Wars versus Rise of Skywalker that was very other than bringing back certain characters or the odd little idea very much on its own path and doing its own thing. But the Trevorrow stuff just has loads of original trilogy stuff in it and a load of prequel stuff. So 
Uh, I'm, I'm wondering where this is going to stop as well, because we had the script leak. We had loads of blogs covering it. Now we've got the concept art. I'm just wondering where they're going, where, you know, where people are going with this. Obviously, the Star Wars films will never be remade, ever. So I, I don't know where people are going with this. But if you were at Lucasfilm or Disney, you would absolutely be taking note of this stuff. Uh, actually, you would have seen it already. If you worked at Lucasfilm, you probably would have seen all this stuff already. But in terms of the uh, Project Luminous and all those guys that are writing the story, you would absolutely be taking notes on this because there's people are just loving it. So you'd want to include little little snippets of this in the future stories and stuff. So love this dude. I'm a sucker for concept art anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same man. And it's almost a, here's what you could have won, but I totally agree uh, with <laughs> everything that you're saying. But it, for, for me, this feels like it certainly from the concept art, it feels like it, it achieves or had the potential to achieve the balance that the sequel trilogy needed and that, that it started with in a for, in The Force Awakens, where it brings the new characters in because none of the OT characters are given more light and, you know, they're not having anything more shone on them than Poe, Finn and, and uh, Ray. You know, it's all very equitable in this concept art. And that's what I really like about it. And I think, personally, that... I think a lot of fans feel cheated that they didn't get to see the Luke payoff they wanted, even though he pulled off maybe the most badass thing anyone's ever done as a Jedi in The Last Jedi. It wasn't the type of badass thing that we wanted as fans. It wasn't that just, you know, run to the well and drink from it sort of thing. I think that we needed that. It was a it was a badass concept, but it didn't give you the lightsaber swing in what has this guy become that we all expected. Um and a little bit more of that would have, uh, I think, would have sufficed for a lot of the fans and maybe changed the, the, the narrative around the movies. But two interesting things as well is, like, let's be honest, you know, poor Carrie Fisher passing away in 2016, December thereof, was was a huge knock for this movie. You know, a lot of the concept art that we see shows Leia as she would have been in this movie, which is a very different look to the footage that they had. And it does make you wonder, you know, I think they did the right thing um, I don't want to say ethically, that's maybe too heavy a word, but they did the right thing respectfully by not recasting her. But you have to wonder what would have happened had they recast or CGI'd. You know, it's not, I'm not saying they should have done, but yeah, no, it will Rachel. be discussed. Yeah. Um, and the second thing as well is like, like you said, the concept art is stunning, but I mean, Colin Trevorrow did the sequel to Jurassic World. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's what I mean. That's what I said at the beginning. It's very easy to look back at the potential disappointment of Rise of Skywalker. And like you said, here's what you could have won with all the Trevorrow stuff. But had that have gone ahead, there's no guarantee that this, this would have been amazing. You would have still, at the end of it, had a, have a bunch of fans divided saying, you know, we wanted JJ back to do what his vision was and a bit of George sprinkled over it and stuff. So yeah, it's stuff that's going to be discussed and debated mate for decades to come. I'm sure of it. It really will. It, and it's, it's one of those things where you, um, you know, if you think it through from, from that perspective, like one of the things that has done really well for star Wars over the years has been a story group. And it's almost like, you know, like Pablo Hidalgo and, and, and Dave Filoni and all those all those guys, like they didn't even get a mention when it came to this. They didn't get a mention really when it came to The Rise of Skywalker. All the, oh, it feels like the movies. But yet everything else, Project Luminous, the games, all the TV shows, all you hear is that Hidalgo and Filoni have been consulted. And it's almost, like we've said it before, it's like what Kevin Smith said about the DC movies. Get the guys who write the comics, who know the characters better than anyone, to at least write a story treatment and then get the script writers in. You know? Spot on. Yeah, that's what we would do. So I we would. Know, I don't know why we haven't been hired thus yet. I think, um, I think, I don't think Bob's still got my old fax number. That's what it is. I'm sure he has somewhere. I know, but yeah. you know what it's like. Yeah. Him and his faxes. Too busy writing books. <sighs> Bloody hell, Bob. Get your priorities straight, son. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen, This is uh, it's been good to dig into that discussion section as, as well. I know it felt a little bit newsy, but it, it, 
it's nice to dig into that. I mean, bloody hell, man. There's been that much news over the last few weeks um, that it's it's just been insane, the amount of stuff coming through. Uh, so we're going to stick a pin in it right there. Thank you to you, the ever-present listener. We appreciate it. Our download numbers are going up, so we know that more and more people are finding out about the show. If you want to help us along with that, just tell people to subscribe in their podcast player of choice or send them to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. That's going to give them a nice page where they can choose any podcast app of their choice and just click to subscribe in that app. So... Thank you to you, the ever-present listener. Thank you for all the support that we get from our patrons and from people just on social and email. It's random as well, man. You know, we we hired an intern at uh, at Rebel Base Media this week, uh, Ethan, and he was like, oh, yeah, you uh, recorded Spark Rebellion. Can you show me where you do it? Because I'm a big fan. I'm like, yeah, of course you can. Come on in. Uh, So it's weird how many people, you know, listen and you don't really hear from them until you do hear from them. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of of listeners out there that we don't necessarily hear from. So thank you to you. Uh, for tuning in do check out the socials it's always a pleasure to be able to do uh, just to kind of do random things for random people get into random discussions on Instagram and Twitter so do check out the socials Spark a Rebellion do a search over there for us and we'll engage in some rebellious resistance based chat and a bit of a cheeky heads up as well that I'm going to be travelling for work for a little while so there will be most of the shows for the next 9 to 10 weeks with myself and, and, and Gaz as normal but there may be the odd solo show from either either myself or from you, Gary, as well. Um, so we're going to be mixing it up a little bit for the next few weeks. And maybe, if we get the chance, maybe getting some guests on if we can get the logistics right. But, uh, I mean, you know, who else would I want to leave the Empire in the hands of other than my very own Emperor, Mr. Gary Ailes? So it's in safe hands with you, bro. There, there, unlimited content. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, buddy. No, feeling you on that one. You've got to, you've got to do the off ski and get your work travels in. So that's all good, buddy. As Mark said, we'll, uh, we'll do a couple of solo shows, but here and there, but it'll be good. Uh, thank you so much to our patrons. Thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you so much to the lurkers. Uh, just, uh, it's great to have you on board as always. Uh, but we will see you or hear from us next week for episode forty-three. Until then, have a good week. Take care of yourselves, and may the force be with you always.